G'day everyone and welcome to the 78 AM podcast. My name is Max Higgins and joining us today on the show is Sydney-based pop songstress Beck Sandridge. Welcome to the show. How's it going? I'm going good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. We we like to kick off by finding out what you've been listening to um, in in your playlist or if you've been spinning some vinyl, what's been sort of catching your ear over the last little while? I feel like at the moment I'm getting really into Maggie Rogers' new stuff, Want One. Um, like it, there's just some really cool like gritty, like vocal loopy stuff in that. Um, and I just got gifted the uh, Credence Waters vinyl. So that's on the actual spinner. That's actually um, spinning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I love that. I feel like I grew up listening to a bit of Credence on the radio without um, realizing who it was. So, Is yeah. it like whenever we ask people sort of like what they're listening to, oftentimes like it, it'll be like vinyl will be something that's a bit throwback and, you know, like streaming is whatever's sort of pumping out. Do you find that like, you know, how people say that vinyl has that sort of comfortable, like old timey hiss to it. Does it, do you reckon it works as well? on like contemporary stuff or do you reckon it really shines through on like older recordings? I feel like to be honest, I'm not entirely sure. I've just started dipping into like vinyl DJing and I put that in severely weighted quotation marks. (laughs) Um, And I feel feel like there is like definitely a difference. I don't know if that's just the, the vinyls that I've picked up have been spun more times than the newer ones that I've got. But, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of crackle going on in the ones that I've got. <laughs> <laughs> Are you finding all those awesome little, you know, break beats and stuff like that, and just just hitting that like hitting that loop a million times? I, I want to say yes. Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a new Dr. Dre in our hands. Is all I can say. <laughs> I don't want to intimidate you, but I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I re- sure, I reckon you've got it nailed. <laughs> <laughs> so your latest track is Cost of Love and you know it's it's sounding like a pretty natural but like obvious progression in your sound. Before we sort of take a, a deep dive into sort of where it's come from and 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 what it sounds like, where, what was the spark for the track for you? Like where where did it kind of come from in your mind? I feel like I I wrote that one with two of my like closest musical pals, Dave Jenkins Jr., um who's my drummer also and um, Lucy Taylor, who's his partner, and they just had a baby, and we wrote it in their apartment. Um, and we were having just a, a little chat over some fish finger sandwiches. Um, <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> so I, guess, I guess that is the starting point. Um, but um, I think with with Dave, like we, both of us, I mean, his instruments drumming, and I I can't play drums at all, so I have a real kind of childlike fascination with drums so I think we started from memory from drums up and then um yeah just started kind of coming up with a beat that was fun um and he said that was his favorite drum beat to play so yeah it's interesting that you say that it started with the beat first because um like it has a really distinct kind of like shuffle feel to it right and and a lot of the your um tracks on the try and save me album also had very distinct and like quite um, unique beats Do, like is that something that sort of sticks out to you when you're when you're putting the building blocks together you're like I need like this beat to be something that's like really like the rock the rock the rock solid foundation behind the track yeah I feel like the drums are definitely like the caffeine moment like I think <laughs> I'm like what will be fun to play live and what will wake me up and feel excited when I'm writing um for try and save me I think it was a bit different like I tried it was my first like toe in for like 
production stuff. So I tried to program some drums myself and with that, <laughs> there was a lot of things that just didn't translate live very well. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like drums are so much fun and I just <laughs> don't think I could ever play them. So I think I always want that kind of element of the song to be, yeah, a bit of, magic for me is that like the last mystical art of music is like <laughs> drumming Drums. i just don't know how they divide their brain into quadrants you know like both legs both arms going different times i mean i i i'm a drummer right and i wish i could say that i knew how like it, I, I don't even think you do divide your brain into quarters it's like it just kind of happens it's really weird like yeah, it's you, magic it's literally <laughs> magic it really is <laughs> Um, but so like, you know, it's interesting, like th- this track has, it's going in a few different directions at once. Like, you know, it's got, as I mentioned, this kind of like, kind of pulsating shuffly kind of beat, but then there's like synth driven pop and there's some more like kind of classic rocky guitar moments as well, just to really be really technical in how I'm describing this track. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you, when you're like overall, when you're, when you're building out a, a, um, a track that has sort of a lot of different um, layers like this and, and you're sort of adding these influences that might be different musical directions. Where do, Where's the line before you, you go, hey, well, there's a lot going on here and we need to pair it back. Like how do you find that exact moment that it's it's perf- put, cooked to perfection? Good question. I feel like I'm a, just a big fan of um, throwing ideas out there almost as if it's like a – you know, bouquet of balloons and then I guess whoever I'm working with, I hope that there's a point that we just bring the bouquet of balloons together. <laughs> and like I am, I am very like when we're riding, just kind of throwing ideas. Um, so I think, you know, working with Dave, like that's probably a huge credit to him and him as a producer is like, Beck, that idea fucking sucks. Like what were you thinking? Pop that balloon. <laughs> Um, but there's definitely things that I'm like, you know, they need to say the dad rock guitars, a hundred percent, um, you know, the disco guitars, a hundred percent. There's, there's some hard and fast mandatories. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Everything dad must stay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty good philosophy to make music by. I think I I have to say (laughs) it's the, um, it's the first kind of, Tra- sorry it's the first taste of an upcoming of your upcoming ep lost dog what what else could we kind of expect from the larger release and and how many other tracks are you going to describe as like unholy menage a trials between french house producers and canadian country pop stars <laughs> i think uh uh the other songs are the next one i'm releasing is my favorite song um and it's probably as poppy as i've ever gone um, and it's also a duet, which I've never done, um, with one of my favorite, um, people ever, Andy Bull. I feel like his voice is just like, it's the one, um, so <laughs> I'm excited to do my first duet. Um, and, um, yeah, the songs I think are a bit darker. Um, I feel like I've never kind of done the darkness before. So, um, which is a weird thing to say, but, um. Yeah, I think there's just um, maybe a meatiness to the other songs that, um, yeah, have have pushed my songs in a new direction slightly. Would you say it's like a darkness musically or, or lyrically or both? Or I would say musically, like I think just like the drums, you know, they're a bit more New York in a small booth and the synths are a bit, you know, 
feel like I just always want to push it grittier. Um, and uh, yeah. That sounds very cool. And for your for your duet, are we talking like a Kiki D, Elton John, like schmoozy, same two singers, one mic type situation? No, it's actually, we pulled up the reference. There's a duet with Joni Mitchell and I know that this is going to escape my brain in this moment perfectly. Um, <laughs> but it's just, you know, I think it's literally like two lines in the second verse and then we kind of have a marriage in the second chorus. Um, so sadly it's not a Huey Lewis, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Maybe that'll be on the album. <laughs> yeah, build up to one of those. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's been a kind of a hot minute between drinks for you, right? So you, this is your first kind of straight up release since that debut album, Try and Save Me, back in 2019. Obviously there's been a lot going on for everybody uh, in, in those interceding years, but... What made right now feel like the time to sort of step back out onto the scene? It's a good question. I feel like, I mean, we're releasing this EP independently and so with that there's, you know, everything takes a bit of time and I just really wanted to make sure I have the right team around me, um, not only in Australia and overseas. Um, and there was a couple of key people that I really wanted to work with on this EP. I got to work with my dream mixer, Jeff Swan, who is you know, Grammy Award mixing engineer from the UK. He's done, you know, Charlie XEX and Haim. And so um, that kind of took a little bit of time. But also um, during lockdown, I um, composed my first soundtrack for a theatre company, um, which was really fun. And, um, yeah, I think more than anything, I just wanted to take my time and write stuff that felt um, really true. Um, and not saying that the previous stuff wasn't, but just giving time to write, you know, my favorite songs ever, um, which I've kind of never allowed myself to do. It's always been like, let's just put it out, um, kind of bullet a gate. Um, whereas this feels very, um, considered and, uh, yeah, I feel like this is very much all of me very excited for the EP. As as a as a songwriter, when you're kind of you know you've got those tracks they're they're getting close to being finished, and you're sitting on them waiting for that right time. Are you are you like a, a bit of a nervous uh, you know mum of these of these tracks? Are you sitting there like adding all the little tiny touches and like fixing everything, or are you kind of just like, yeah, I like where this is at. I'm just going to sort of let it simmer for a second. Yeah, hundred percent. I think one of the songs claustrophobia we had it finished maybe two and a half years ago and then six months ago I emailed Dave and I was like nah we need to reopen her surgery (laughs) and uh so we did and then we ended up once we reopened her up for surgery we're like okay we also need to do the same with the other songs and I think that's also why it took a bit of time is um we ended up getting on pals Gab Strum to um do additional production on Cost of Love and um, Tony Buchan, who um, produced my first EP, he came on board at the end too to do some additional production, um, which which feels really nice actually because, you know, having Tony who did my first ever EP and then Gab who also did additional production on Try and Save Me coming in for this EP, it just makes everything feel quite cohesive. Um, but, uh, yes, it's definitely been a process of sitting on the songs for six months and then thinking, am I still happy with them? And then... <laughs> with fresh ears and um a bit of a back and forth thing for sure (laughs) 
you you mentioned it before that you you pulled together the soundtrack for uh your first production which was uh called ishmael and it was a post-apocalyptic futuristic retelling of moby dick what was it like putting pen to paper for that medium and how did it kind of differ from songs that you might write just to release under your own name I think some of the songs were very much to script, so I went to Officeworks and printed out, you know, all 150 pages or whatever it was, and um, and the directors were quite specific with, with what feel they wanted for those songs, and then some of them were very much like just writing a straight-up-and-down Beck song, which um, was really fun too, but just it was nice to just remove myself and not um, sing about my own feelings. And to sing about the world ending instead, which felt kind of fitting in lockdown too. <laughs> yeah, it's got a bit more of like a grandiose feeling, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the production has like puppetry and like actors on stage and all this like wild stuff going on in terms of like the medium of the production. Did mm. that play into when you were putting the songs together in terms of how you wanted it to sound or what you wanted it to convey in those moments or, or was it just kind of the, 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 the themes that pulled you through? Well, it, it, originally I was meant to be flying into Brisbane and working a lot more um, alongside um, the actors and the sound architect and directors, but um, as the border came down hard between Brisbane and Sydney, I ended up actually just doing all of it from my bedroom, um, which yeah, it was really interesting trying to, I feel like I led myself to like imagine more what that world would be like rather than being able to see it in person. So I was kind of, as the process was going on, they would send me videos of the production and what the, you know, the puppets look like and the spaceships and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> um, you know, it, it was really cool. Like it was kind of, um, you know, I'd see pictures of the space spaceships flying around like the theater that they were rehearsing in and I kind of have to think about, um, you know, what synth sound would the um, would um, echo the spaceship or, you know, things like that, which was, um, yeah, it was really fun, but also horrifying. <laughs> Very trusting of um, Nick and Dave, the directors. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever uh, get, like, pulled in the direction of, of wanting to make, like, your own production from scratch? Oh, I feel like I would love like this is the sh- this is the pitch. I would love to do. <laughs> I would love to do another production. I think it was so much fun. Um, but I don't know if I'll write my own. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have like a, a huge space opera space opera somewhere ready to go, just like jumping out of the, of the of the page. Beck Sandridge, the musical, <laughs> and like only only my mum and her church come along. <laughs> Hey, I think you've, that's a, you've got a pretty good crowd there. Dollar. <laughs> uh, you're also going to be hitting the road pretty soon too with some some dates on the East Coast, including Canberra, which uh, a lot of artists kind of skip out. It, you know, if you're spotting Anthony Albanese front front of stage in the mosh pit, are you pulling him up on stage for, for a DJ set post, post set? What's going on? The last time I played in Canberra, we had a tour date which would have been three years ago, and I lost my voice. So I ended up doing a DJ set instead, um, <laughs> which was so devastating but also so much fun. But um, weirdly, I was looking at when I was updating the event for Canberra, I was looking at the last time I played, maybe before that or the time before, and the first time I ever played in Canberra was a house show that I put on. Um, and it was actually like one of my favourite gigs 
ever. And I feel like, um, yeah, there's something so special about Cam- Canberra. Maybe it's because I grew up uh, in a small town as a bogan. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like people skipping Canberra are kind of missing out. They're missing out a vibe. Mm. <laughs> there's, there's really good food. Like there's some really um, a real foodie. I feel like there's some good cafes um, and restaurants too. I that's feel the main like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've slept on Canberra like hard. Like I need to go down and especially if there's a good foodie scene. I'll have to check that out. Before we wrap up, uh, you mentioned that you've done some DJ sets. What's a what's an all time staple that has to be in a Beck Sandridge DJ set? Compulsory song in a DJ set. I feel like ordinarily I would say Untouched by the Veronicas, but then I feel like I rinsed that pretty clean. Um, <laughs> But something that I never get sick of is Simply the Best by Tina Turner. I feel like it's the one song that I wish I wrote. Tina Turner's just the one. She's great. <laughs> in com- complete coincidence, that song popped up for me today in the weird like 1990 NRL ad that she did. Yeah. And and I was like, <laughs> what, a bang- what a banging song. What a banging ad campaign that just has no relevance. <laughs> the, the lyrics are so good. It's I, I cover it. Regularly, yeah. <laughs> well, Beck Sandridge, your latest single, Cost of Love, is out now. So everyone go and listen on your favorite streaming platforms. You'll be touring the East Coast uh, all throughout August with dates in Melbourne, Sydney, Canberra, and Brisbane. And your upcoming EP, Lost Dog, will be landing in October. So make you, make sure to keep your ears and eyes peeled. Beck Sandridge, thank you for taking so much taking the time out tonight to have a chat with us. Thank you so much. Stop digging in the dirt. Cause all you're putting down is my confidence Always preparing for the worst Why do you do it? You almost blew it Always pulling it apart And now I see myself unraveling Looking for daylight in the dark All for the thrill of it Don't get sick of it Listening to the part, the part that says the 